Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to a, another episode of Oh Shoot. I know it has been a very long time since I put out an episode. <laughs> that was my bad. I've <laughs> been on, went on a bit of a hiatus, but we are back better than ever. And honestly, I'd say Knives Out is a pretty great way to make a comeback with this show. And, you know, of course, as always, I have a really awesome guest with me today. Let's just say a quick welcome to Peyton. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone about who you are and what kind of content you put out? Okay, so uh, I'm Peyton, also known as Peyton JB on a lot of social media, uh, mainly TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. And uh, I talk all about movies, all on those different platforms. I have a letterbox as well. Um, I always try to plug that as much as possible because I just love writing reviews on letterboxd um, i don't think i follow you on letterboxd i should oh, do that letterboxd i love i don't take it as seriously as i thought i would i literally my whole motive of getting letterboxd was to see how many movies i would watch in a year <laughs> which yeah, I mean, ends up being awesome. really embarrassing honestly it <laughs> really yeah. exposed myself last year <laughs> it's a great way to track like your statistics and and everything like that. So I adore Letterboxd. Um, Honestly, love all interacting Letterboxd with people. Showed me was I watched The Winter Soldier last year like fourteen times, and <laughs> my friend has never let me. She does not let yeah. me live that down. Yeah, I've probably watched this film *Knives Out* about five or six times uh, so far, including last night. And I finally wrote a review on it last night from yes. my rewatch for this episode. So yes. you guys can check that out. Um, and I also collect uh, physical media, Blu-rays and, and, and 4Ks and steelbooks. So I post a lot of content about that on uh, TikTok as well. Your collection is very impressive. Yeah, it, sometimes, I mean, th there's such a great community around that kind of stuff. Everybody is so nice. I've not experienced a single bad apple in, in that side of things. Um, but yeah, sometimes, I mean, my, my collection's comparatively pretty small, but I would say usually people buy digital most of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, digital is very convenient, of course, but there really is something special about having like the physical copy yeah, of a movie, I would say, especially if it's one you really love. Yeah, I, I would say like if, if you aren't a fan of collecting anything and everything, you should at least maybe have like your top five like favorite movies on, on physical just because those can't be taken from you like if you have it on voodoo they can just kind of like what if voodoo shuts down then it's gone yeah uh so i i like to have a, a way on hand of always being able to watch my favorite movies so that's kind of how it all started and then it became quite the addiction but yeah <laughs> and it's like i don't think it's gonna end anytime soon i mean we get so many amazing movies each year oh yeah what would Definitely. you say do you have like a top five like your top five favorites when it comes to all the DVDs you own? Oh, um, I love the Lord of the, I have a Lord of the Rings steelbook box set that I really love. And those are the four Ks that, that released. Um, I believe it was 2020, the end nice. of 2020. And they are some of the best, like looking and sounding movies on disc. I think that you can come across. And those are also some of my favorite movies. So it's great. Um, I also love the the Knives Out one. I have the steelbook of that. And um, there's this cool thing that they did where if you flip the slipcover backwards, the circle of knives like goes around the killer's face on the poster. Um, oh my gosh. So that's pretty cool. 
I actually think I was reading about that. I I don't know. I think I like came across an article that was talking about that slipcover. I was like, that is cool. I love yeah. when they do something unique like that. Yeah, and I absolutely love um, the Pixar steelbooks. They have this really simplistic design that's really nice. And just it's it's really is more than just like being able to watch the movie. It's more just like, wow, these are like collector's items and, and mm-hmm. special things for all these movies that I like. So, yeah, makes me very happy. <laughs> Those are some good. That's like really good selection, honestly. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, my gosh. I I need to get myself like my own set of DVDs because when my sister was still living at home, like she had hers. So I would just like, you know, obviously I would just watch those. They were right there. But now that, you know, she's not here, I'm like, oh, damn. I don't have Lord of the Rings DVDs on hand anymore. It's like, I got to get my hands on. I have like three different sets. (laughs) I have the DVDs, the Blu-rays and the 4Ks and they're all different. Yeah. It's necessary. I like, I think when it comes to your favorite movies, it is really great to have just like the DVDs. I like bought, I haven't bought like a DVD in years just because usually I watch like end up watching movies on my laptop and not like super often on the TV. But when the No Way when No Way Home came out, I was like, "Oh damn, <laughs> I need to get yeah, this on DVD." <laughs> absolutely. Um, there's always, I feel like, something that special that that comes along that you feel like you have to get. And I, another one I really love is the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. which is like special. Like they they like select different films that they think are meaningful or just like some of the best of the best, and they mm-hmm. they give them a really nice like transfer, nice makeover in there. There's a whole bunch of special features that are specifically for those. So you have older movies like Seven Samurai, Eraserhead, a lot of Kurosawa and David Lynch stuff. Um, oh my gosh. But then you have some newer ones too, like Uncut Gems recently got a Criterion release. Uh, that was the first A24 film to do it. Oh so, God, I love A24 films. <laughs> yeah, me too. And th- those are really nice too because those are a lot of older uh, films or more international cinema that's mm-hmm. less readily available on like streaming services and stuff like that so that's just like all the more reason to have a physical copy of it and the the package is always really nice it comes with like a booklet almost always so I love that oh my gosh I love when like I mean kind of mentioned it but I just love when the DVD gives you a little something more than just the disc I love that I love that so much especially if it's like a really nice special edition one. Oh my gosh. It, it really does add to the whole experience and allows you to kind of just be immersed into that world a bit more, which is definitely always, always a plus. But for today, we're going to be chatting all about Knives Out. And I was very excited when you brought up this movie when making your selection, I was like, Knives Out, hell yes. This one has been on my list. It's one I've always known I wanted to talk about on the show. So I was like, yay, I have a, not only just a guest who loves the movie and is a big fan, but, you know, thinks about it, you know, think doesn't just like watch it passively, thinks about the details, the clues, especially with a movie like this. It's a mystery. Yeah. It's a mystery. It's not just uh, your, I don't want to say just like an average film, but where which has a very simple like, beginning middle and end no there are layers to this movie there 
they trick you, they make you think you know what's going on, and then they come through with another little detail being like, psych, you thought you knew the plot, you do not. <laughs> Absolutely. And my my big break, or at least one of my big breaks on, on TikTok was a six-part series just going over like, these are my favorite like details, my favorite setups and payoffs mm -hmm. and things going on that are just kind of like you don't see on the first watch. And uh, I was able to stretch that out into six videos. And so that really tells you how much detail was put into this film. Yes. Oh, gosh. When we get to the details aspect of it. Oh, my goodness. I love movies that have I feel like this is almost like a, one of the reasons why I really enjoy movies done by A24. Granted, this is an A24, of course, but because movies done by A24 usually have a lot of details and clues and things in the background kind of guiding you towards how the film's going to end. And I found that Knives Out kind of had that similar formula, which I feel like is, which is why I really enjoyed it, was because throughout the movie, you got these little clues. You got these little hints. You got these little things going on in the background that you just have to watch for. And that you don't usually catch on first watch. Yeah, absolutely. So it was like it fell under that nice umbrella of A24-esque films that I just obsess over. Yeah, it's all that. Um, it's got all that fun rewatchability to it of like watching the background. There's there's so many things that you can track um, throughout all of it, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into at some point. Cause there's some definitely some specific ones that I can mention. Oh my gosh. They honestly, like even watching last night, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. And I Me was too. like, I was like, how did I not catch this? All the other times I've seen it. Me it's, too. Oh, it's insane how it just works like that, but getting into it. Now in the beginning of the film, you know, Harlan dies and it's ruled as suicide but then the question comes up of like oh um but maybe it was murder right so i knew when i first watched it it kind of like tri tricked me a little bit because even though we do see you know harlan kill himself i said i like began second guessing it because i was like what if this is just what marta thinks happened like what if she thinks this is how it played out. But what were your thoughts on that? So I really love that this film, um, like what's great about it to me is that it seemingly gives you the answer very, very early. Mm -hmm. um, about, I think it's like 30 to 40 minutes in. And yeah. there's so much exposition in the first act that like one would expect exposition in like a murder mystery type movie. You have all those interviews and everything and you get a really big picture of of how things went that night. But like almost everything else in this movie, there's always that hole in the center. You know, they talk about donuts a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it always feels like there's something missing, even though you're finding out more information as you go. Um and it seems to kind of give you a complete picture. Like I think Ryan Johnson did a great job with, with his writing of having literally everything make sense. And you feel like you understand everything that could have possibly happened that night. And for the whole entire movie, it all fits into place. And then the movie kind of reminds you at the end, it's like, well, why did someone hire the detective then, you mm -hmm. know? 
that's the one thing that that throughout the whole movie you kind of forget about and that comes back around and that's how it's able to all kind of be figured out i feel like that's the one detail that doesn't have that like an answer that allows you to kind of sit back because usually when i watch murder mysteries i'm trying to kind of outsmart the film and it's i feel like it's a trap that a lot of people fall into instead of just enjoying the ride and so this movie kind of brilliantly allows you to enjoy the ride but it also gives you that satisfactory ending reveal you know slight (laughs) segue not segue it just made me think of death on the nile yeah, I watched I that movie. Figured out the plot and the who done it at the very beginning of the movie. I literally was watching it, paused it, and was like, "Oh yeah, I know, I know." Exactly. They hadn't even like shown who dies yet. I I don't even think I saw the movie trailer. I literally had no idea who dies, but I figured it out. I was like, "Okay, I know who dies, and I know who killed who kills them." Yeah, and I literally wrote it out. I was like, this is what happened. Like, this is exactly the whole situation. I watched the movie and it basically played out exactly as I had written it down. And I'm like, this was just too obvious. It's so funny that you say that because um, I saw that movie with my girlfriend in the in the theater. Yeah. And both of us, we, we did this thing where <laughs> we halfway through, like we have a little pen and paper. Yeah. And like, I think uh, I said to her, like, okay, once the like death happens we're allowed to write down our prediction and then put it away and then at the end of the movie because that way you can't change it yeah. so we and we both got it right like yeah. it was just so movie, obvious yeah, i knew that was gonna happen <laughs> like that was oh man i you know almost didn't make it enjoyable honestly it, as far as like murder mysteries go that wasn't definitely not nowhere close to being any my, one of my favorites at all but I was like that just took away so much from it that I was able to figure it out at the very beginning of the movie and I remember uh I because I was texting my friend about it too she was like oh yeah no I don't really want to watch this movie so just tell me what's going on and I was like well here's who dies here's the killer here's literally this exact situation oh and by the way I'm not even done the movie yet yeah <laughs> but knives out nope Knives Never. Out is I very smart. I did not experience that. It was done so, so well. And I do I do the same where I try to see if I can like figure it out at the beginning. After like the first few clues are given, the first few hints on like what the situation's looking like. Yeah, I, I mean... So- I try to solve the case, but this one, this one was uh, a toughie. Yeah, I mean, my, my mom watched this movie... Uh, separately from me and and she Mm -hmm. tried to tell me about I think like it was right before you start you kind of get like the whole picture or at least Mm -hmm. the seemingly like the whole picture with Marta Mm -hmm. um but she halfway like 30 minutes in she was just like I think it was Marta and I think she's faking being nice and she's actually a bad person and I was like mom you can't outsmart Ryan Johnson you always try to do this (laughs) I feel like because I feel like if they did have that whole situation, oh, Marta's just being fake. Oh, she's just really good at tricking everyone. I feel like that would be a yeah, that, classic tiresome move. That would be, I think, a little bit, that would be underwhelming and and kind of just, I mean, predictable, I guess. But um, no, that I think that would have made for a completely different movie. 
I definitely wouldn't have gone back to it as much as time, many times as I have. Yeah, I feel like I probably would have watched it maybe twice and then been like, okay, I'm good. I'm done here. Definitely. No need to, no need to revisit. Yeah, and what I find so great about the beginning of the movie is that like the film literally apologizes to you for for all of the exposition dump. Like there's a line that that Benoit Blanc says to uh, the the cop played by Lakeith Stanfield and he's just like you've been very patient. Like you're right. It it doesn't make sense. And then and that's when like the movie starts to pick up after that and I remember watching the director's commentary Ryan Johnson was like yeah, I wanted to kind of throw that line in there to kind of apologize and, and tell the audience, like, you got your patience will be rewarded shortly. So I thought that that was really cool. Thank you, Knives Out. Thank you, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But next question is, were you surprised when we learned that it was Ransom all along who basically orchestrated this whole ordeal? Well... I was somewhat surprised, although I kind of expected there was definitely another twist that was going to come up. And I think that partially was because I had seen an interview with Johnson like before I saw the movie where he said that there is a scene at the end where the detective breaks everything down, um, kind of like those classic murder mysteries, even though this one is very different, you still get that reveal. So I expected something to happen. And Ransom was always kind of a prime suspect to me because... Chris Evans was just interesting casting to me. He he stood out because I hadn't seen him in anything but the MCU. So I was kind of watching him yeah, kind Chris, of in awe. Chris Evans playing like the bad guy. Right. Yeah. It's like not, not what we are used to. I think that's this whole movie too, because you have Daniel Craig as the detective and you'd expect him to be some kind of, you know, posh British guy, but then you had give him a Southern accent instead. Everything is kind of set up to be, exactly like your classic murder mystery you have all these colorful characters but then you kind of find out that they're all very similar to one another and they have similar goals um so i really think that it's it's genius like it sets you up in this way and then halfway through the film it just completely turns against itself i remember just kind of seeing ransom's character and just it was obvious you know right this like overprivileged like douchebag for lack of better words if there were little clues to show that okay maybe clearly he's not a pure character clearly he's done some like questionable things but I don't think it fully dawned on me or clicked that it was him who like would actually harm Harlan because they kept tricking you by being like oh Harlan and Ransom are actually very similar they actually do get along to a certain degree. Even like Harlan says that he sees a lot of himself in Ransom. Right. And it's like, it tricks you because you're like, okay, but if they're so similar or if they're, they seem to get along so much more than other people in the family. Yeah. Why? And I, Just the question is why? I definitely think that, Chris Evans's lack of screen time in the first half of the movie leads him to be uh, a prime suspect for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, obviously Harlan and him had an argument like the night of the murder. So that's kind of a tell telling sign, but then they give you this whole charade with, with Marta. And so again, like the movie kind of causes you to relax in that way. And I think that you need that 
in order to divert suspicion from anyone, because then you're suddenly in this seat where you're like, oh, I know everything that happened. And now I'm trying to make sure she doesn't get caught. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to touch on that a little bit later on. Yeah, definitely. Just a little bit about um, like Harlan and Marta. Oh man, but <laughs> like kind of last thing, not really last thing, but this movie's full of like twists and turns, right? So we learn Marta gave him the correct amount of medication. Nothing got switched. She was able to feel the difference between the two medications, between the morphine and I forgot the name of the other one, the name of the, <laughs> the other one. And it truly essentially was suicide. Right. Is, you know, um, talk screening, clean, perfect. Marta played no part in it. That was a twist that got me. But what were your kind of like thoughts on that? Where Harlan, like medically speaking, was completely okay. It's, it was kind of tragic and and super sad uh to me because obviously like the fact that if harlan had just called the police instead they would have been able to tell that he was fine mm -hmm. and there would have been no death whatsoever and mm -hmm. it's so funny because that she didn't even realize that she gave him the right thing because the you know the liquids were switched but subconsciously she just knows yeah. which uh medicine to give him and i i think that that's great because it you know the she is the empathetic heart of the movie she is the one that uh often does the right thing and and uh does the empathetic thing and i think that ryan johnson i remember uh hearing him say in in some interview that it was really hard for him to kind of figure out a way to allow her to think she has killed him Mm -hmm. and then be able to reverse that by the end of the film. And I think he did a really brilliant job with it too. It was really well done because I definitely doubted it. And my mind, in my mind, I truly did think, obviously, like I never like faulted Marta for it, but I definitely did think that by accident, she had given him a lethal dose of morphine instead. I definitely did think that, yeah, but it's definitely. just insane to think that if he had just let her call the ambulance, it would have been fine. Yeah. But also, I mean, he, he definitely cared about her a lot because a he lot. wanted to, and, and that was another awesome thing to me was how he was able to come up with an escape plan for her so quickly because it, it kind of plays into uh, what his, uh, what Walt says earlier, where he's like, well, the plots of his mystery novels popped into his head fully formed and it was the easiest right. part for him. So he essentially makes a mystery plot for her. And there's this amazing thing about Christopher Plummer's line delivery where he kind of like chuckles at certain things. Mm -hmm. And even though he knows he's dying, he seems like he, he doesn't fear it, like he says. Yeah. And he, he seems so calm about it. And he almost seems enthused about the idea because he is a mystery writer and that's something that brings him joy that the fact that he's coming up with this in real life, he kind of giggles at it and, and he like writes it down. He's like, this is an interesting method of murder. Yeah. So I, I mean, thought that was really is. interesting. It definitely is an interesting one. I yeah. just, the way that entire scene 
is probably like one of my favorites from the movie. It's just done so well. And you're right. It's it, the way that he delivers those lines and it's his demeanor throughout that entire scene that really gets me. And, oh, it's just so brilliant. Yeah, it is absolutely brilliant. Every time I watch that moment, I'm completely, if if not locked into the movie sooner, I'm always locked in for the rest of the ride after that point. That's really where the film starts to show you how special it is, I think. Like, I get chills. Oh, my gosh. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. But on the note of kind of it being one of my favorite scenes, what are some scenes and moments throughout the film that really stick out for you? Well, so many, like most of them. It's like <laughs> um, the entire movie, actually. Yeah, uh, the humor is a huge standout. Um, the donut monologue, I can quote by heart. Um, and like we just said, I love that scene where Harlan's guiding Marta through. That might be my favorite scene in the movie. There's just such a great tension in the score and in Plummer's narration and everything. Um, but we can't not mention the final breakdown in the oh, library wow. because that is an incredible sequence. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Just that entire scene where everything just like clicks into place and you we have that like aha moment. We're like, oh, oh. Yeah, and I, I what got me the first time I watched it, I remember specifically is when he, when Daniel Craig says, and that is why, you miss the funeral because that is the first piece of information we learn about ransom in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it just all falls into place. Right. Because people are like, Oh, you know, people grieve differently. Like maybe it was too difficult for ransom to be there. Yeah. Or maybe so it's almost like creating that sim like sympathy for his character. Like, Oh, maybe it was just too emotional for him. Like the law, the loss of Ran um, Harlan, it was too much. So we're like, oh, okay we'll put it to the side that like can't be incriminating but then it makes sense we get the information we know we learn exactly where ransom was during the funeral and it's like oh you damn bastard yeah. and it, it always struck me as like oh he's just a jerk and he just didn't care to attend it like uh his dad or his mm -hmm. uncle says oh, you're, you're late, you missed the funeral, but you're early for the will reading because that's all you care about, mm -hmm. right? But really all of his intentions are covered up by the fact that he seems so careless and he's such a jerk, but at the same time, he's got other motives as well and he's using his the expectations that the family has of him to get away with those things. It's definitely, it's very interesting. Again, we kind of see that how he is similar to Harlan though yeah because it's like Harlan instructed him on the way that he should hide the murder to you know not make himself yeah like not I mean, bring himself to the light to be like oh yeah it was ransom all along and you kind of again you see the similarities between the two with the way their minds work absolutely I mean he's in his own way talented at creating a, a mystery plot line because he is able to he's the killer he, and he has to avoid being right. caught it's like if only he just used it for good he could have been just like harlan writing potentially writing incredible mystery novels which i wish i really wish were real 
Yeah, me too. I would I, definitely read I'm them. like, I want to experience these. I'm like, I feel like they really, truly are brilliant. And I'm like, I would love to read. Yeah, and it, it adds such a good meta-ness to the movie, the fact that he's actually a mystery writer himself. Right? I mean, I love a good mystery film, but oh my gosh, give me a good like mystery novel. Oh, I like eat that up. Yeah, I mean, just that whole breakdown at the end of the film is incredible. Uh, I think it's really well paced with how it cuts back and forth between flashbacks. And there's so much attention to detail with like clocks in the background. They they pass minutes in in real time to like, you know, it's realistic. There's a lot of continuity that's that's done really well. And there's amazing attention to detail. Like, for example, Ransom places his foot on the windowsill when he climbs up. Marta does not. And the mud that they find earlier in the movie is on the windowsill. So you assume it's Marta. But if you go back and watch, she never touches the windowsill. Ransom does. So it's very interesting. Oh, my gosh. It's those, again, like it's those little details that are so well done that make you think. And one, I love that just like kind of throughout the movie, you do get those little clues that ransom played a part in a big part in this whole situation and for example it's like that scene with him climbing through the window you think back to when they were investigating the mud and it's just like oh my goodness and then with um the grandmother being like oh like ransom are you back already yeah yeah definitely something that was like easy to overlook But now knowing it was Ransom, it's like, oh my gosh, no, it's because she had already seen him again that night when he was climbing down. Yeah. It was my mind. It's (laughs) so good. On the note, kind of transitioning from scenes that stood out, were there any characters that really stood out to you or that you just loved to see on screen? Well, I mean, we have Blanc, Marta, and, and Ransom, which we've all we've we've already touched on a little bit. I think that they're really well fleshed out, and they're like the main characters of the movie. Which, yeah. I mean, I really enjoy that the poster for the movie doesn't give that away of them all lined up. Everybody is a suspect, but as you go into the movie, you kind of realize that those are the focus characters. But there's so many others that I feel like are underdogs of the movie. Like Trooper Wagner is oh so my gosh. funny. He's so funny oh he i was like you are so precious yeah and he's he's you're like doing your job but you're also like such a big fan of harlan <laughs> yeah he's just geeking out all over the place and that's um he's played by noah segan who is in all of ryan johnson's films uh so he's he's one of his uh good friends that uh, that appears in all of them kind of like uh joseph gordon levitt who is the same thing little easter uh, egg with joseph though yeah yeah do do you know where he is in this film um he was uh he was like you don't actually see him you just hear his voice right yeah at the very start um when marta's sitting at the the breakfast table with her and mom her and her sisters like, yeah watching that show uh-huh he's the voice of the of the tv and he he plays an alien in the last jedi and he stars in looper and brick um, so he has a cameo in, in all of Ryan's films. And I love that. He's got this kind of tight-knit group of people that that are always part of his work. And I think that that's wonderful. And uh, his cousin does the score for this movie. So just excellent. 
Um, I love that character, Trooper Wagner. So precious. Oh, gosh. I have to say that each character is very just like unique and interesting, especially when you just take a look at their character and who they are and their personality. I just almost the entire family is just insufferable. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you all suck. (laughs) Like, you're all bad people. Right. Which isn't surprising, like, because there was a lot of intent behind that. But it's just so irritating sometimes. I'm just like, oh my God, just shut up. Like, (laughs) your privilege is showing. Sit down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to like the a lot of the other characters in this film, but it's oh my God, also despite them being portrayed by such amazing actors. I'm right. like, you're doing your job really, really well right now. Yeah, but there, there are some that definitely crack me up. I love uh, Walt. Michael Shannon is great with He's his comedic hilarious. timing. Oh, my goodness. Have you watched um, like a lot of the interviews that they like the cast interviews? Um, yeah, a decent amount, I would say. Have you seen the one where they're having like a Thanksgiving meal together? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, watch it. It he is so funny in that. And just like the genuine laughter you get from the cast. Oh, it's so brilliant. There's actually this one part where he ah, oh, he's just like goofing off, of course. And I just cut the this clip of Chris Evans laughing because it's one of the most like genuine laughs I've ever like seen. And it's so funny to me and it's so pure. And I just like cut that scene and I was like, oh my gosh, this bit of the interview is probably one of my favorites. That's but you wonderful. should watch it. It's so good. He's so funny. Yeah. And another reason that this is an amazing film to me is because Tony Collette is in it. She's my favorite actress ever. She is amazing. Um, and she doesn't disappoint. I mean, she's in a, kind of a smaller role compared to some other movies, but some of her one-liners in this, like, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> when she calls She's like, Blanc, DM me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. When when she calls Blanc Mr. Blank, I thought that was pretty funny. So she plays her role incredibly well. Um, just her face acting. I mean, her face acting in Hereditary was terrifying, but in this mm-hmm. movie, she's able to make it hilarious oh gosh she's so i definitely gotta like talk about that casting like you we got so many big names in this one movie yeah definitely it's it's a huge ensemble you have like jamie lee curtis yeah excuse me like jamie lee curtis oh and of course she is absolutely amazing incredible um she's got so many funny moments too don johnson's got so many funny moments i mean they they add so much levity that it's like it's like the proper amount of levity that you can add to a story about murder um but also it doesn't rob the story of its like dramatic weight and you even get you know some drama with them like the letters that harlan wrote for uh jamie lee curtis's character is very endearing and sweet like even though she's not the greatest person Mm -hmm. it's still nice that she has that that uh father daughter kind of thing with him like you like she says you have to find a game with them so i feel like some of these characters are are more fleshed out than they let on but i also enjoy the subversion that they are all pretty similar in motives um 
And then Marta stands out as like the empathetic heart of the movie. Gosh, goodness, I love Marta. Um, on the note of kind of like Marta though, but and the relationships between some of the characters. Let's touch on the relationship between Harlan and Marta now, because I love how much Harlan genuinely kind of cared for Marta and how, you know, she was able to be like a friend for him and a confidant. And I think like definitely in many ways, like Harlan looked at Marta as if she was one of his daughters as well. Absolutely. I mean, it, and she even says, like, I started working more because he, he needed a friend. I mean, if your family was all of those people, mm-hmm. I would definitely want a friend or a, a third party, someone right. outside of the family to, to spend time with. And I thought it was really sweet. It's really endearing. Especially since, like, you know, a lot of his kids, you know, they had hidden agendas. Like, you know, they never had pure intentions. If they ever wanted something from him they were lying or like they would say they wanted it for reason a but really there was a reason b they wanted like money for but not marta she was there to just spend time with him and genuinely cared and he was able to like share with her his frustrations with his family and i just i love that so much yeah i mean there's so much and i think that another reason that harlan is uh you know, so endeared by Marta is the fact that she kind of, there's this thing that, that I attach to where Jamie Lee Curtis says, you have to find a game with him to play. And if you play by his rules, then, you know, you get rewarded. Right. Mm -hmm. But Marta is not looking for a reward because she's just looking to be kind and, and she's the heart of the movie. And so when they're playing that game of go, she -hmm. says this line of like, I'm not playing to beat you. I'm playing to build a pattern or something mm-hmm. the like most beautiful pattern yeah yeah and and every step she takes throughout this movie has something to do with that it's it's she doesn't play by the rules she plays by her heart and doing what's right and trying to you know care about others and that's why i think she's such a great nurse too so i feel like it, it adds so much character and it makes sense why harlan would um find so much joy in being around her because she doesn't just play by rules and you know try to I guess kiss up to him for for money or what have you because it feels that way about a lot of the family members is that that's what their goal is right and I think it's definitely also interesting to see her relationship with Harlan then compared to her relationship with the rest of the family because of course she's very kind and like very like warm with all of them but they give her like this fake kindness yeah their like relationship with her isn't genuine and we see that many times where they make it seem like they care about her they make it seem like they want they welcome her as you know another member of the family like for example you know how they were saying oh like almost how every single person said like oh we i wish you were at the funeral but i was outnumbered yeah exactly and i'm like well if every single one of you are saying that were you None really outnumbered had that conversation yeah they it's just so many little things like that and the fact that they can never get what country her oh, family is from right they always say something different they're like i think this country speaks spanish right she's definitely yeah, exactly. from there and 
there's a this great like smaller moment where during the political argument scene um don johnson's character like uh-huh. there's a part where when he's telling blanc about marta at the beginning it flashes back to that scene in slow-mo and he's all welcoming and he's like waving her over trying to get her to come join the conversation and yep. she's smiling and that's like his way of remembering it but then later when we see the actual scene he's actually inviting her over to prove like a political point yep. and to actually just be very rude um mm-hmm. and during that conversation he like starts to hand her his dirty plate like just out of impulse and so there's small things like that that really just add to the kind of ew I don't like you (laughs) Mm -hmm. so many moments like that oh my goodness it was like infuriating and especially oh that entire scene where he's just like he's like he's like but Marta your family your family did it right you know they came in the legal way (laughs) yeah and I'm just sitting there like oh my god dude please shut up right now yeah it's a cringeworthy scene too stop talking (laughs) and it's just like very interesting because then we um see like tony colette's character being like no you don't have to answer that like you don't have to answer that sweetie like you know this is wrong like he almost you see her character like in more of that positive light but then when the, we get like the little details of the whole money situation and how she's been like double dipping into the funds that Harlan is like giving her to support her and to support Meg. And it's like, oh, so you're not actually that good either. Yeah, definitely not. And even Meg, I feel like was the closest one to being a friend of Marta's. Mm-hmm. But even but like, she I'm kind like, of- even then. <laughs> yeah, once the will comes out, it's like she's, she, even she changes gears a little bit. Right. And, but she plays it off like, oh, but like, I was really scared. Like yeah. I didn't know what to do or think or what. And what Marta, not. of course, is infinitely forgiving as mm-hmm. always. But like, that's just Marta, you know, like she's yeah. so sweet, so pure and looks at the best in people and doesn't Absolutely. just like, focus on the bad. Until like, I think like the very end of the movie where it's almost like everything is coming to light. And it, she gets that very clear picture of how that family truly is. So, of course, we get the brilliant shot of her standing on the balcony, wrapped in the blanket, holding Perfect the ending. iconic mug. Perfect you ending. You just see it. You see it in her eyes. And I'm like, yes, Marta. Yes. And I love that, to me, it always felt like uh, – her and Harlan's relationship, the spirit of it is kind of able to live on through her and Blanc's friendship that, that she creates throughout the movie. And uh, there's there's the great thing where Blanc kind of looks down at her shoe at the when they meet because he, he notices the blood stain, as we find out later, from the moment that she steps in front of him. But instead of calling her out and saying, oh, well, you clearly had something to do with it, he waits and knows that she can't physically lie to him. So he just keeps her close and, and knows that he's not the smartest person in the room either. And so it causes them to kind of become friends. And I feel like if Blanc had just tried to call her out immediately, the truth, the actual truth wouldn't have come out at all and Ransom would have gotten away with it. So I think that it's really nice that both of them kind of have a good heart in a way. I absolutely agree because 
obviously clearly he's a very smart character he is a very very smart detective and he could see through people yeah and he could the- see especially through the family like he could see right through them and through their character and even the film kind of makes him look a little dumber than he is before at the end you realize he's actually been piecing it together the whole time very very smart and he i mean he truly is like his he is a character like he certain he has a very nice kind of just like flair of how he goes about the case and he very much like harlan is like a storyteller yeah and he says this this line to her uh this machine unerringly arrives at the truth Mm -hmm. um like that's what it does we we've seen murder mysteries countless times over the years and we know that this is how it goes you know the detective figures it out breaks it down the killer gets caught but with this film it's like you start to sympathize with Marta. You start to sympathize with the so-called killer for the majority of the movie. And so the antagonist actually becomes the mechanics of the genre that we know. The antagonist becomes, we don't want the murder mystery to go the way we've seen it before. Please give her a way out of this, you know? Ryan, oh my gosh. He like changed, honestly, like changed the game when it comes to mystery films. Yeah, he's a genius in my opinion. I think he's he brilliant. totally is. He totally is. I I am with you on that, and um, kind of like on the the twists and the turns and Blanc kind of like figuring things out. I think that very like the very very end though, when like Ransom like grabs one of the knives and it makes that attempt to stab Marta. I feel like that was like one thing that he just didn't see coming. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's, I feel like there there was almost like no doubt that Ransom is that insane. Yeah. He's going to just like, essentially being like, well, I've been caught, screw it. Might as well go for the kill right now. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's standing in front of two cops and a detective and he still is doing that anyway because he's just that vengeful, I, I suppose. It's, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but I remember that did get me. That scene did get me. Yeah, it, I was it like, is a little bit startling. <laughs> I was like, are they really about to kill Marta? Oh, no. Okay, no, we're okay. It's a, it's a, it's a fake. Yeah, and it's a great callback to the line that, that Harlan says earlier, where he says, Ransom plays life like a game and he can't tell the difference between a stage prop and a real knife. And then at the end, he literally couldn't tell the difference. Right? It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. Um, but, oh my goodness. What? Ooh, okay. So let's get into the, some things that we noticed that in this watch that we didn't really notice before, because <laughs> this got me so much in the beginning of the movie, when, um, like Blanc was interviewing Linda and Walt separately, right? They both have the image of the night that they were each of them were by their father's side when the cake was being presented. When Linda's telling the story, she's there on one side, her husband on the other, the cake is placed in front of Harlan. But then when Walt is recounting that night, 
He's there on one side, his wife on the other, his son behind Harlan. The cake gets presented. And I was like, I never noticed that both of those scenes were different. I don't know if my mind just kind of put the same faces there. Yeah, I never noticed it either until it was pointed out to me. Because I just love the the idea that they're all competing essentially to be his favorite. Mm-hmm. They want to be I'm in the, the will. Best child, ahaha. <laughs> yeah, and so um, they definitely would would picture it that way, and they picture themselves as being closest to him. And it also played into like the thing we talked about earlier, where uh, Richard pictured himself as being much nicer to Marta than he is. Yep. It really gives you just I'm an like, insight into all how they delusional. think. delusional. Yeah, exactly. They all think they're much nicer people. Right. And they are. They're able to be nice. It's like that that line in uh, Parasite, if you've seen Parasite. Mm-hmm. It's like they're uh they're able to be nice because they're rich or something. Um yeah. but no, like they they're able to be nice until they felt like their uh their inheritance was threatened. And then suddenly they're like children screaming and chasing her and, and going all, like tapping on the car doors and everything. Right. And it's insane. And I'm like, that whole like situation with with the whole like will situation and just the topic of money and the house. And it's like everything they say that they worked for where they are now. They worked hard to get to where they are. But even like Ransom, like Paul brings it up like, oh, his mother, like she didn't build her business from the ground up. She built it with the loan her father gave her. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's so, it's it's so reflective of like real life as well when many people, oh my gosh, big biz are like one percenters will be like, oh, I built this business from the ground up. But more often than not, the reality is that they were given a very, very generous loan and that's what they were able to use to create their business. So it's definitely it's not the same as like someone who maybe started with like $50 to create um their business and they all just like have this almost like view and this mindset that they've done everything themselves without their father's help but I'm like Walt literally thought he ran his entire father's like the entire business his father had built yeah and he says like oh let me be in charge of our books yeah and harlan's like "Mm, our books it's like take a step back and like listen to yourself for a second exactly yeah the audacity of all of these members of the family my goodness now of course you love this movie and we kind of talked to kind of talked about this before we even recorded about people not wanting to watch this movie But what would you tell someone to convince them to watch this movie? Well, the first thing I would say is it's fun and and literally anyone can enjoy it, I feel Mm -hmm. like. Like, this is a very accessible, very fun movie that, you know, gives you twists and turns and you can even casually watch it. And I think that might even enhance the experience because you won't see as many things coming. Um, But for a genre that, you know, people say is overdone or dead in a way, the, the murder mystery... Um, it's special because like, as we discussed before, it subverts it, it flips it on its, it flips it uh, on its head. And um, 
I just think that that's incredible. And Ryan Johnson is able to do that, but then also his writing is so airtight and great that he's also able to allow the classic murder mystery to unfold underneath the surface and then come up all throughout the end and everything makes sense. Very well said. Very, very well said. I think everyone should give this movie a chance. Everybody. I'm like, hey, hey, if you're listening to this episode right now and you and you haven't seen Knives Out, I mean, like, what are you doing? Go watch it. Yeah, well, first of all, why did you just spoil it? For I know, yourself? exactly. I'm like, first of all, like, why did you even listen to this episode? Second of all, go watch. Because here's the thing. I'm like, even if you, we've seen it. We've seen it multiple times. And it's still an enjoyable experience to watch again. There are still moments you miss and things you didn't pick up on after the first time you watched or even the second or third or fourth time you watch. There are those little details. So it's like with every watch, focus on a different element of the movie watch it and focus on what's going on in the background behind the characters what visuals are there like watch it again and you know analyze one of the drysdales one of the thrombies like there are so many ways that you can watch this movie more than once and like have it be such an enjoyable experience it's just so amazing oh I was going to say, you'll you'll find uh, another story or another element of the movie if you focus on those different things. Like, right. just watch it and fo- I don't even, I'm not even going to explain it because I want you to do it. Just watch it and focus on the baseball, the entire mm-hmm. movie. And you'll get literally a whole story arc with that baseball. Oh my gosh. This movie is definitely one that you can, even just, you kind of mentioned, like throwing on in the background. Like I, I think I've definitely like put this movie on and done some work at the same time. Absolutely. Cause it's just like enjoyable to watch, like even in the background and not even like giving it a hundred percent of um your attention. But, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, before I kind of like finish off with my next question, special, special shout out to Chris Evans and his sweaters. I, I did buy the sweater that looks the, like his like, sweater the white cable knit the white cable knit nice yes. <laughs> it's yeah. a good one my favorite thing about that sweater is the fact that he got his dog oh yeah like a absolutely. matching sweater oh oh and my god the restaurant that him and marta go to in the movie is called the flat penny it's in massachusetts i know this because it's the director's commentary if i end- ever end up in massachusetts i'm going there i'm wearing the sweater i'm taking pictures okay oh my it's gosh happening. oh god now i need to go <laughs> it's on the list oh my goodness his sweaters were truly one of the shining moments in this movie I love it I love it so much also just like the fact that Chris Evans plays so we kind of touched on it but like plays a character like Ransom and I love the deep the little detail with the dogs barking at him yeah, and they're absolutely. like talking they're like Chris Evans loves dogs and dogs love him so I yeah. know like that was a little difficult like a bit of a difficult kind of like moment to film and I'm like <sighs> I believe what they did is they had Chris Evans has his hand in his pocket and he's got like a treat or something in there. Yeah. And so they want it. So they're like barking at him. Yeah. And it, it was a pretty simple effect, but it, it looks really good. And that's, that's actually the only detail in the movie 
that points directly to Ransom because the dogs barking woke mm-hmm. up uh, Meg. And when the dogs, when Marta went and climbed the trellis, the dogs did not bark at her because like, as Harlan says, like the dogs will know you, they shouldn't bark. But they simply greeted her. Like the right. dogs only bark at Ransom. Right, exactly. No one so else when, in the family. So when you know that the dogs barked and then they woke Meg up, and then later you see the dogs bark at Ransom, you know something is up. So that's the only like little thing. Brilliant. Oh, okay, okay. I could talk about Ransom and Chris Evans for probably hours, but we're getting a sequel. Well, not really a sequel. More like anthology, really. Knives Out 2. It's been cast. It's coming. What are you looking forward to the most for that film oh man it's definitely my most anticipated uh release of this year if it if it still is going to get released this year i think that it's still set to um (laughs) don't mind me i'm just going to quickly google it real quick (laughs) and i just want the trailer like i just want the trailer um but in terms of the film just seeing what johnson is able to make in terms of the script because i really hope it can be like half as tight and half as succinct as as this movie mm-hmm. and having a more unique setting rather than the classic feeling of like a mansion for the murder mystery you know they're on like a boat in this one so you know maybe it's like death on the nile sort of uh, uh but better i hope yeah i mean it'll definitely be better um but to see what what new drama he stirs up between the new characters to see how all of them are you know hopefully it's not as much of a like everybody sucks situation maybe uh you'll we'll get more variety and more more complexity to each of them and the cast is amazing oh my gosh i was just about to like mention the cast i was so excited to see everyone i'm like 90 percent sure that ethan hawk is in the set photos and he's in the film so i'm super excited because i love ethan hawk i see him in i will watch him in anything I we've got so many like different actors who've been in various like genres of media and coming together in like one mystery kind of like thriller it's gonna be so good because uh, like Catherine Hahn is in this oh yeah that'll be she is hilarious and uh Dave Bautista is an interesting choice uh, Kate Hudson is a great choice. I love her in uh, Almost Famous. I feel like I haven't seen Kate in anything in a very long time. I think the last thing I watched her in was I watched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Well, that's <laughs> um, a lot older. <laughs> yeah, well, not like not like when it came out. I just mean like that's the last gen- thing like I, thing. I watched I generally. I don't remember what the last thing um, I saw her in was. Which Catherine Hahn's in that movie too, she is. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. I love Catherine. I love Catherine. It's going to be so good. It's going to be such an amazing film. And hopefully, like, it, nothing has said that it's getting pushed. So hopefully it does come out later this year still. But it's going to be so, so amazing. I, I have full trust in Brian that it's going to hold up and be just as good as the first film. But now my kind of question is, do you think they're going to reference 
the Harlan case in this film? Possibly. I think maybe the, the most they'll probably do is mentioning Blanc's other qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, he solved that Thromby case or something yeah. like that. Maybe I could see that happening, but I don't think that Ryan Johnson is, is one to leave in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to like- To like really connect this. them. Just be like, oh, this was a case that he worked on previously. And that's yeah. all we're going to really say. Yeah, because I, I don't think he's going to like fan service it, have Anadharmas like show no. up or I wouldn't anything like crazy. That. I wouldn't like that at all. Yeah, I think it's going to just be its own thing um, and just be really good, hopefully. I think it'll be really, I mean, if it ends up, I don't want to put this out into the universe, but it ends up sucking, I'm going to be just very upset. <laughs> that would I'm be, be like, uh, this would be such a letdown. That would be Ryan Johnson's first bad movie if if it was bad i would say i don't think he's made a single bad thing before i don't think he has sequel haters leave (laughs) i can like i don't know in the back of my mind i like my mind went to tiktok and i could just like hear the people who hate the sequels being like what are you talking about the sequels suck yeah i made a video of the of like Ryan Johnson's never made a bad movie, and I got something. Well, unless you count the Star Wars, I'm like, no, stop. Well, actually, I said you're what wrong I said because the sequels actually from Star Wars aren't that good. And I'm yeah, like, like, do you hear yourself when you speak? Yeah, I mean, how ridiculous! I said what sound? I said. This is how this is how I feel. Okay. And I think either way, it's going to be well done, and I think it's going to be a fun one to see. And I'm just. I'm with you. I want a trailer. I want some plot detail. Like, give me something. Give me a crumb of what this movie is going to be about. (laughs) Yeah, I just want some kind of trailer. I mean, I'll even take, like, we got a gif a minute ago, like, like a while ago, a few weeks, a few months, maybe. And uh... I'll take, like, a 15-second teaser. Yeah, I'll take that too. I'll go with that. You know those things that play before movie trailers where it's like shows a few clips and it says the trailer begins in three, two, one, and then like the trailer starts on yeah. YouTube. I'll take just that. <laughs> just that. At like no trailer. Don't I don't need take anything it. else. I'm like, the trailer could literally just be introducing each character. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be like, I just cool, want thank you. Just like, give, give me their me names. Their char- exactly. I'm like, they're like, oh, Kate Hudson playing so-and-so Catherine Hahn playing so-and-so Ethan Hawke so-and-so I'm good with that like because at least it's something (laughs) yeah like maybe tell me who dies I don't know if you want like you don't have to tell us or maybe I mean do we know that it's actually a murder mystery though (gasps) like maybe it's a mystery about something else maybe it's someone did something with some money or someone's hiding something and it's like completely different come on Ryan Ryan Give us a hint. Give us I a also, clue. I don't think it's going to be called Knives Out 2. I feel like it's going to be called something a little more creative than that. You think that's like the just like the placeholder name right now? Possibly. There was one uh, there was one that I thought was super fun that someone came up with where it was Knives Out, but out is spelled O-W-T. And then there's a reflection on a knife and then it spells it backwards too. So it's Knives Out 2. Ooh. it's and that's just super like complex but i thought it was super funny i mean ryan johnson like he responded to that and he was like that's that's a bit much <laughs> definitely like clever marketing though yeah it's kind of like 
um what was it for like the eighth fast and the furious movie what was it like was it called fate of fate? the furious i don't even remember there are so many i have lost track should we call it fast or should we call it furious <laughs> there's just it's such a hard decision to make oh my goodness yeah, we got the title for Fast and Furious 10 that's going to be called Fast X, Fast 10. I am so excited just for all the people who are going to call it Fast X because there's just something so funny about that to me. I personally wanted it to be called Furious and then have the I-O replaced with one zero, so it's Fur Tennis. <laughs> would it, like, it oh, looks man. like Furious 10. <laughs> like I, I wanted that so bad and they didn't do it. This is supposed to be the final movie right uh i don't know okay <laughs> vin supposedly, diesel's still alive so who knows supposedly it is it has been said it's supposed to be like the final installment right i think so i i i don't really keep up to date on fast and furious so i wouldn't I know but never asked perhaps. to be updated on fast and furious it just happens yeah <laughs> it just comes to you it just comes to me <laughs> i feel like i i think it's being said that it's going to be like the final film it's like you know that's what's going to be so massive Han is back yeah there's all this crazy stuff going on I'm actually like two movies behind so I don't even know I'm 10 movies behind I haven't seen any of them oh um you're you're fine (laughs) (laughs) you're fine okay basically a character who you can you can say that they died it's okay no they didn't actually no they thought they died yeah, that, that's how they, most of them go, isn't it? They didn't actually die, but then, like, you really did think they died because you saw them in a car that basically exploded. So it was like, oh, yeah, he's dead. But then he That's a typical dead. Tuesday for one of these guys. God, right? I, <laughs> I'm still very lost on how he didn't die during that whole situation. But anyway, but, like, it's, like, this whole thing where, like, the character who tried to kill him doesn't know he's actually alive so it's going to be like this whole oh. like massive thing i do i don't know but i am like i just because it's vin diesel i feel like at the very end we're gonna literally get a post credit scene that's going to be like oh my god fast and furious 11 <laughs> coming to you in two years and i'm gonna be like are you guys trying oh my god they're gonna like start they're going to turn Fast and Furious into like the MCU. They just they just need to introduce time travel already. They just need to time travel like who I don't know which character is going to do it, but they're going to somehow discover time travel and they're going to use their cars to go into these various universes and do their thing. Maybe in Multiverse. one universe they'll go back to their roots. And it will actually be about street racing. Because that's what the entire series used to be. It used to we've, be. <laughs> we've just watched it. Racing. We've just watched it evolve to something insane. It has evolved to I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> well, I'm like, well that was our episode out. on uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious. <laughs> um, Peyton's going to watch all of them. And you're going to give a quick review on each one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to do it. Nine movies. It's basically a must at this point. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, do you know Marley? Yes. Marley. Yes, he's obsessed Marley, with Fast yeah. and Furious. So you family. know what? I think hi Marley, if you're listening, hello. <laughs> if you really ever fun. 
if you ever do an episode with Marley, you don't even give him a choice. It has to be Fast and Furious. Don't think I would be allowed to talk about the series with anyone else. You can't. You have to. Even if you have like another person on, you have to have him on too. There are. It's funny because there are definitely some movies where I'm like, okay, it has to be this person as a guest, or else they're gonna be (laughs) like, there really is no question. Like, it's got to be this one person to discuss this one movie. I'm very honored that I'm the Knives Out guy because that that is where uh, where a lot of people know me from. Good. Well, you know what? I'm definitely very happy that I was able to have you on for this. And I think we've covered a lot about Knives Out, but was there anything that you kind of wanted to mention about the movie, about a scene, a character, anything at all? Oh, man. Um, watch it. I, if you haven't seen it already, but I just think that Ryan Johnson uses a lot of the similar writing that he does in The Last Jedi in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of subversion going on, and a lot of people say that he did it right in this one and wrong in that movie, but I actually disagree. Um, I think that a lot of the things that, that make The Last Jedi as hated as it is by some people is because instead of looking at it as its own film, it's looked at as it needs to satisfy what what I wanted to see from the new era of Star Wars. And so what I think is really great about Ryan as a filmmaker is that he often opposes that and, and does what he thinks is going to make the best, most powerful story. Um, and he has this great quote where he says, George Lucas never made a good Star Wars movie by thinking like, what do the fans want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, I, I guess that's just my insight. It's, I guess it's more Star Wars than, than Knives Out. But if there's anything that I, that I didn't already touch on, it would be that probably. Girl, love that. But I'd say lastly, though, since you do have a love for mystery, are there any other mystery films that you would recommend to our listeners today? You know, when I was thinking about this question, I actually um, realized that I haven't seen as many mystery films as I thought, but um, one that immediately comes to mind is Zodiac, the David oh, Fincher movie. Gosh. What I love about that one is that it's able to give you such a satisfying conclusion and you're, you end up like you feeling like you've gone through a journey and reached a conclusion, even though the mystery by the end of the film is, I mean, it's a real story. So I yeah. guess I feel like this isn't a spoiler. It's somewhat unsolved. Yeah. Um, but it still is able to give you that satisfaction. I think that that's a really good feat. And then um, if we're on the topic of Ryan Johnson films, I think that Brick, his first movie, is a really great detective noir film. Um, I don't know if you would call it a mystery, but I would say that it sort of is. It definitely has mystery elements to it. And even more recently, I would say like The Batman is a great mystery movie. It, it does have a mystery um but I'm just finding excuses to mention that movie, to be honest with you. Oh my gosh, honest. Oh God, I love, I love. The Batman was so good. It was so good. That is another one. If you have not watched that, oh my God, go watch I'm, it and then go listen to my um, episode on the Batman. Where it's on HBO Max. It. My Canadians, I I don't have an answer for you. I think it might be on Crave if you have the HBO extension. I don't have Crave. I don't know what I'm saying. But there are many ways to watch it. But if you are um, in the States and have HBO Max, go watch it. I wish we had HBO Max here. 
I'm like pretty sure if, cause we have Crave and then I think you can get the HBO extension, which basically lets us watch the same things you guys watch. Yeah, I had heard that. Um, I had heard that that it, it is on that HBO extension. Yeah, from someone. Okay, hey besties, if you have it, you can go watch it. Um, but mysteries. Oh, one that I really like. So not a movie, but a miniseries, Sharp Objects, based on the book Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn. I'm very picky when it comes to like book to screen adaptations, especially when it comes to something like a mystery. Sometimes they're not well done, but Sharp Objects, oh my gosh. Oh, so, so well done. And the twist in that I still think about to this day. And I think I read the book like three years ago. I will have to note that one because I have not seen that. It's a good one. And like, there isn't that many episodes. I think what's like, what's standard, like six to eight episodes, I think. Really, really good. I gotta, I've been like wanting to rewatch it actually, but I want to read the book again. Cause it's been, a, it's been a while since I've read it. It's a really good book too. And someone, I was at a bookstore actually, what, like last week. And the, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot the name. Thing I wrote it down somewhere but she was like giving me some recommendations on like really really well done mystery novels and I was like I feel like that's sometimes a genre that's not talked about enough mystery definitely I feel like we don't have that much media revolving around mystery especially ones that's done well because you do get la- like lazy mysteries yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not gonna not not to mention you know anything by name, Death on the Nile, but I've already mentioned it before. Not to point any fingers or anything. I am pointing fingers. It was bad. <laughs> I I just the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. Right, honestly. and I'm like the cast, which okay. I have no shame. I don't like Army Hammer for many many reasons. Hey, me neither. <laughs> and no one really should, Mr. Cannibal Man. Um. And I, I'm not overly fond of like Gal Gadot either. But apart from them, everyone else was great. I really liked everyone else in the movie. But just the plot, I just have so many problems with the plot of that movie. It's did you you watch um like Murder on the Orient Express as well? No, I actually have never seen that one. That one? So that one isn't like great and amazing or by any means but I enjoyed that one far more than I enjoyed Death on the Nile I would imagine that that it would be better I really like the cast of that one better Daisy Ridley Willem Dafoe the cast is amazing like I really do want to watch that one you should watch it you should watch give it a try I'll be like waiting for your letterbox review now yes what are you watching for that (laughs) oh man i there are some people who just consistently leave likes on my letterbox reviews and like it it makes me so happy every time it's so (laughs) validating yeah it's so validating (laughs) i'm like oh i did i say good words about movie i'm like oh okay so you agree okay good i'm not alone in this oh i see that i'm objectively correct (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) 
But I think that about wraps things up for this episode. Thank you so much again for joining me to talk about Knives Out. Of course, anytime. I mean, you could just like, like just just like DM me and be like, hey, so what about Knives Out? <laughs> I'll send you like an essay. <laughs> Let's like further this discussion. But oh my gosh, so so good. I love this movie. And everyone, you should definitely make sure to check out Peyton and his content. And all of the social media, of course, as always, you know where to look in the description box. Everything is linked there. But I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, So much fun to talk about Knives Out. Again, it's one of my favorites. And you know where to check me out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all Oh Shoot podcasts. Feel free to connect on there. I'm always happy and ready to chat about movies. And yeah. Drop me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or drop a rating on Spotify, which is a new feature, I believe, only on mobile devices. But until the next episode, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.